With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Tell It Abs It Is podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner. College football season is almost here. And to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what, no strings attached. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odd boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, and located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs, and today is pretty much the same as the last episode, where we've got no new Avalanche news to talk about. So what better than to step outside of the Avalanche for a minute and start to look ahead at next season with a team that we have not even discussed seemingly in forever. I know we certainly have never really talked about them on this show, but in Avalanche land, we have not even thought of the name Nashville Predators in... Honestly, I don't even know. I don't even know how long it's been. I believe it was February of 2020 when we last played the Nashville Predators, but we will be seeing them four times next year. We will be competing with them in the Central Division, so I thought, what better way to get to know them again, get caught up on everything that happened with them last year, and what 
the expectations are for them this season than by connecting with the guys at the Catfish on Ice podcast of the Hockey Podcast Network and just talk about where they're at with the Predators, what they expect, what's what it's been like with them over the last few years and where they see them ending up this season as well as some good avalanche talk in there and just an overall great discussion with the guys, their host, Chad Mitten and Rich Howe and Colin Bloon. Just an overall great conversation with them. Just like we kind of talked about there, it's good to talk about other teams again. I've harped on this plenty, but I don't want to talk about like teams like the Coyotes and the Sharks like ever again. I'm, I'm so done with them. I'm so happy we can get to see a team like the Nashville Predators again and just give me an excuse to go out and connect with the guys at the Catfish on Ice podcast. I thought their takes on the Predators were pretty interesting. They've definitely got some interesting perspectives on there, getting to a little bit of Avs talk on there as well. But overall, it's a pretty decently long conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, I am joined by the wonderful hosts at the Catfish on Ice podcast. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Please introduce yourselves. All right, so this is uh, Chad Mitten. So I'm one of the main hosts of Catfish on Ice podcast. And uh, we got uh, Rich Allen, Colin Bluen. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? How are y'all doing? How's it going, guys? This is uh, this is Colin Bluen. Yeah, we got to make sure we <laughs> all of our listeners know the voices here. Uh, yes. Real quick, I, I got to mention, Colin has uh, missed a couple episodes. We're happy to have him back for this segment with the Tell It As It Is podcast. And so, uh, Colin, are you doing pretty good, man? You getting settled in down there in your new uh, your new home? We're getting there, man. Getting getting settled in. Uh, I've got a crazy travel schedule, but we're hanging in there. So we're happy to have you back, man. Yep. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you guys on the show and everything. And it, it's it's been a long time since the Avalanche and Predators have even really been mentioned in the same conversation. Obviously, last year we were in two completely different divisions, and probably for the first time in probably both of our existences for a long time, we hadn't played each other all season long. So what was last season like for you guys? I mean, obviously we were all disconnected and uh, well, never at any point did we intertwine, but the, the Predators seem to be in the news cycle quite a bit, probably a lot more than most people are used to. So what was that roller coaster of a season like? Probably a lot more than we wanted, if I'm being honest. <laughs> right. I mean, it, that roller coaster is a very good way to describe it in terms of just the emotional turmoil that we had as far as like starting okay and then kind of spiraling and thinking, all right, this is done. It's, we might be sellers at this point. And then all of a sudden going like, we there's a chance. So then like it's a, it's a gif of, so you're saying there's a chance. That was just the constant yep. feeling um, up until we got in. And then it was like, well, now what? <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it was a whirlwind. Yeah, at that one point, there was like a one percent chance of them getting into the playoffs, and they wound up making it. So it was it was, we, that uh, was good. We, we we took advantage of beating up on the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, and I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 boosted our point point percentage on uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, and I guess you could say the Red Wings too a little bit, even though they beat us a couple times. Yeah. yeah, I can. I can imagine. So, I mean, from from what I remember, there was a certain point, like you guys are just saying, there was a one percent chance they were yeah. going to play. It was bad. I was, yeah, I was talking about on my show a couple times, like 
could we add a Mateus Eckholm at the deadline? Yes, he was, he was, he was a, all over the yeah, headlines. He was a pipe dream for for Avs fans. I even mentioned Philip Forsberg at certain points. Like I was, I was fully ready he, for Nashville to to rip it down at the deadline. So the rumors were out there about Philip Forsberg. Actually, like he would, he had Preds fans. Real, th- this whole rumor was it got that bad to where mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg was showing up, and I can't remember what main credible uh, outlet put that out there. But Phil Forsberg was – I know he was linked to the Maple Leafs that were yeah. interested in him. I remember that, yeah. yeah. I wish I remember the source. But, yeah, it was bad, man. It was like tear it all down. And this was during the season. And then uh, just kind of like catch up some of your uh, li- uh, listeners uh, for the Avalanche. Uh, basically, the crossroads of our season was when our uh, a lot of our young and unproven players came into the lineup and we were already expecting rebuild anyway. So we were like, let's see these young kids play. Let's see what they can do. Uh, your Tanner Janos, your Matthew Olivier's, your, uh, your uh, Yakov Trenin. Like these kids came in came in and just put a new energy and, and, and passion into the game. And then, of course, I know as fans know all about UC Soros. He came in and started playing Vesna Trophy like hockey. And that's what – and probably put us into a, a playoff berth. Yeah, UC Soros definitely took over the the conversation for the Preds towards the end of the season. Were you guys surprised he didn't get a Vesna nomination and that Grubauer did get the nod over him? I think that's the closest the Avalanche and Predators oh, no, You want to feel that? You want to feel that, Rich? You want to take well, that? Well, yeah. Um, I think if, if he hadn't have been hurt and if they hadn't have played so bad in the first half of the season – if he didn't get the Vesna, he it would have been a travesty because the way he was playing, I mean, he was clearly one of the best, if not the best, goaltenders during that stretch for them. So, like like uh, Chad said, if it wouldn't have been for Soros, they, they wouldn't have made it in the playoffs at all. So, yeah, he was definitely our star. So, Yeah, I went back and forth between Soros and Grubauer as that final guy on my Vesna ballot for last year. Obviously, I had to lean – a little bit towards my yeah. guy and Grubauer, but I was honestly a little surprised to see that Soros didn't get as much love with the the Vesna Trophy because he was definitely the Predators MVP in well, my eyes. And you only get three; you only get to pick three. So, right. I mean, you're always going to have bias there, especially when I mean there was a lot of great goaltending last season. I mean, so it was a tough was, list. I, I remember looking list. at the list of candidates and thinking, "Well, I can make it." an argument for this guy. I can make an argument for this guy. We knew that Flurry and Vasilevsky were the top two. We knew they were in. But that third spot, that final third spot, there was a lot of bias in there based on fan bases. And so um, the thing about Soros, and Rich just alluded to it, is he's got to put together a full season. And I think that's a big reason why we're in this uh, testy arbitration uh, cycle mm-hmm. that 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 uh, that lingers on is hearing dates coming up very soon. We keep waiting on uh, a conclusion to that before it reaches a a actual hearing. But I think a big sticking point with with the front office side of things is Soros has never done it from wire to wire during a season. He's always been the backup to Pecorine and was a great backup one of the best you can hope for, but now he, it's his, it's his team at at goaltender. And I don't know if the front office sees it the same way as maybe a lot of us fans see it is where I'm at. He also, 
He's also notorious for slow starts at the beginning of the season. So he has yeah. yet to have like one full good season. So he, if he doesn't this year, you know, it's going to be bad news. Definitely. Yeah. But I think that's what he's, that's what he's banking on. And, and, you know, in the, in the front office, like Chad said, they're not, they're not so sure because of not having that full, full good complete. So, so Griffin, uh, just, just for our listeners, let's kind of ask you the same thing. Like, uh, so you cover uh, the Colorado Avalanche for the Tell It As It Is podcast, so please go follow them, Preds fans. Uh, I, I, all I remember is pain the last time I, uh, the Preds right. had to play you guys. And the one game that really sticks out to me, and I'm sure you remember this game, was early on in 2019-20 in that game where I'm pretty sure the final score was like 8-4, to four, something like that was the final score. I remember there were goals going back and forth. I remember Matt Duchesne scored a really big goal, if memory serves correctly, uh, to put the Preds ahead. I think it was like early second period. And then the Avalanche, it was like a barrage. Like your your loaded roster of offensive firepower just like ran us out of the building. And so kind of tell us about the Avs. How are you feeling about them? Because I know they have way higher preseason expectations than um, our Predators do right now. Yeah, with the Avalanche and our offseason – we're not going to be the same level of dominance as we were last season. By the way, I just remembered the game you were talking about now. It was a, a nine to four game. Oh, for right. Predators. I, I shorted you a goal. Yeah. Let's that back. knife a little harder, please. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and was a, it was an avalanche. It was, it was literally an avalanche. <laughs> it was bad. Avalanche. And yeah, Sorry. that game that, was. That, that game is forever etched in my brain. And I'm not even joking. Like every time I think right. of the avalanche, I think of that game. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that was a. Uh, you were right. Duchesne put Predators up three to two, and then it was just it was it was out of reach from there. That's I remember that game. Yeah. Now, but just on the topic of the Avalanche and their offseason, obviously last year the Avalanche Presidents Trophy Cup favorites the entire way through fell short against Vegas, and going into this offseason, we all expected to lose some guys. That's exactly what happened. A lot of departures some new blood coming in, but we're going to pretty much be relying on a lot of in-house talent to replace some of the names that we lost along the way. Obviously the departure that I think is going to be the hardest to fill is Brandon Saad. He went to St. Louis Mm -hmm. and we're potentially looking at having Alex Newhook playing in that top six next season. Our defense with the addition of Ryan Murray, even though we lost uh, a Ryan Graves and a Connor Timmons, I think is still probably going to end up being one of the best defenses in the league again. And when it comes to replacing Philip Grubauer with Darcy Kemper, it really depends on Darcy Kemper's health. And this is something I've talked about a lot on my show is that the trade, yes, we gave up a lot in assets, but if Kemper stays healthy, which is a big if, there is certainly potential for him to be at worst equal to Grubauer and in best case scenario, better than him. So when it comes to our offense, obviously our top line is intact. We kept Landeskog. We've got Nathan McKinnon. We've got Miko Rantanen. Then you've got your second line guy in Kadri and Burakovsky. And then that just this season, there's going to be a bit of a hole on the the other wing on the second line, but our depth still looks quite good with Nachushkin Justin Kompfer, ideally on the third line. I think that's one of the better third lines in the league. And fourth line, I like the helm addition. And we've just, we've got a good 
depth of players that I think that can plug in there. So I still think the Avalanche are legitimate Stanley Cup favorites for certain, even though they did technically get a bit worse this offseason. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the salary cap and it staying flat and you're going from giving Kale McCarr under a million to $9 million, you're going to have to lose yep. some guys and along they, the way. I mean, do yeah. you agree with that contract? I mean, that's oh, a absolutely. contract, but I mean, I think we're all in agreement that he earned that. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's already a steal and he hasn't even played a game with it yet. He signs that deal. And then Seth Jones signs his deal. Darnell nurse signs his deal. Well, Rensky yep. signs his the deal market, and he is yeah, paid less than yep. all of them. And I know oh, UFA years and everything, but McCarr is by the time season after next season begins he's going to be i believe the the eighth highest paid defenseman in the nhl and there's there's a real shot that he'll have a norris under his belt Mm -hmm. after next season and then who knows how many by the time that contract expires i mean i mean i gotta say i think that it's a great contract especially like when you you said you mentioned really kind of a kind of a good context piece of seth jones i mean i i we, we like Seth Jones. We don't, we don't love him. I mean, he, he came here first and then, you know, went to Columbus and the Ryan Johansson deal and all that. But I feel like Chicago overpaid because we, we ate his lunch last year and we were not the yeah. best. I mean, we we're a fourth place team, but we, he was not a challenge to us when he was on the ice and we were nothing. We were anything too special. We had some good talent, but we weren't, you know, some of the better elite teams and the central is only going to get better now that it's back to the traditional central. So mm-hmm. that's my thoughts on that. I think you guys did. I think that's an awesome deal, but I got to ask you, you know, do you believe after this season, because you mentioned it, the president's trophy, do you believe in the president's trophy curse? I do not know. Uh, okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, my listeners know this already, but I am also a Caps fan as well as an Avalanche fan. So I am well experienced with the President's Trophy and yes, second round exits in the same breath. But at the same time, it must be nice because we've got one. Yeah. Well, we know and that was also too. a second 2017, round. 2017 yeah. 18, we lost in the second round as well yeah. with the President's Trophy. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I, re- I remember your run for those guys uh, there. We were a bit mixed in in there too. But yeah. that, was, that was our first time making the playoffs. I knew. Hey, real quick sport. timeout before you go on your answer since we're doing this. I remember, and I will, I have, I'll go back and look at screenshots here. I remember when we beat the Avalanche in six games that season and and saying, you know what, the Avalanche are coming and we are going backward because talent-wise, we had no business struggling in that series on paper. Yeah. Like, we had just come off going to the Stanley Cup, coming two wins short against a such a stacked Penguins team. So everyone thought, you know what, the Preds are back again. Like, they're not going anywhere. They just won a President's Trophy. They're a force. And we had to do everything we could to get out of that first round against an unproven Avalanche team that first round of those playoffs. I remember it. I remember thinking, wow, this team's coming. This Avalanche team is. So, yeah. uh, yeah. That window closes fast. I mean, it does. Sure does. Yeah, I mean, even just on the same that same playoff year, you look at both Nashville and Winnipeg from the next round. People thought their windows were going to be open for years, and mm-hmm. now you fast forward to today, and it's pretty it's pretty crazy how things change. But on that that playoff series, there was no shame in any Avalanche fan after that series, especially especially winning Game Five in the fashion that they did. We were very proud of this team, even though Game Six went quite badly next season we play calgary first round smoke them in five and four straight games after losing game one 
And it's quickly, it's funny how quickly things change on that front too, because now apparently there's a stigma that the avalanche can't get out of the second round, which I I don't agree with that at all. But, but yeah, going back to the Collins point about the president's trophy, if there is any person that should believe it, it should be me, but I just don't at the same time. I think when you look at the parody in the NHL, a lot of the time, the best team in the NHL doesn't win every single year. And when you look at president's trophies over the ever since the turn of the century, you've had a fair number of president's trophy winners actually go on to win. And I, I think we're in a drought right now. It's been, what, 2013, the Blackhawks won Stanley Cup after winning yeah. the president's trophy. And since then, only the Rangers have gone to the conference final after that. And that was 2015, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering right. Uh, your your so, history is way better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, because, well, I mean, you look at the teams after that, Caps, Caps, I know that one, then the Predators right after that. Then you had Tampa flame out historically in the first round. Oh, yeah. And Boston. The apology, the apology tweet. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that one. And then Boston, I think the bubble year, and then the Avalanche. So, oh, yeah. and so I think you look at that and – yeah, there's a drought going on, but it's it's going to break eventually. And we're going to look back at this stretch with President's Trophy winners and be like, yeah, that's an outlier. I mean, they're not going to win every single year. I mean, statistically, it's what? Like, you look at there's 16 teams in the playoffs. You give them each an equal chance. Yeah. I mean, you probably shouldn't, but. That's why the Stanley Cup playoffs are like, I know we're probably all biased here as hockey fans, but that's why the Stanley Cup playoffs are, are in my opinion, the best playoffs you can watch. And it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like all sports. I'm a big football fan. I, I'm in baseball mode a little bit right now. Like I really do love all sports. Like I get, I can get into anything. Give me a ball and give me a, a scoreboard. I, I don't care what sport it is. I'll get into it. But hockey playoffs are so exciting. And a big reason why is because you really don't know what exactly. upsets are going to happen. Uh, the, the, the intensity and the passion behind it and just everything that goes into it. You're right. The best team doesn't always win, especially the best team on paper, does not always win. It's what team is going to be able to grind it out, push it through. I mean, it's the hardest trophy in sports to win. I really feel that team sport to win. I really feel that way. Yeah. Like, you got to get seven games. You got to get through seven game series, four different rounds to hoist that Stanley Cup. A president's trophy, you could be the best team in the regular season. It doesn't matter. Can you make it through? that playoff grind and a lot just because you're the best team on paper doesn't mean you're going to make it through that the canadians that's a prime example this yeah, past year perfect canadians, example. So. yeah perfect and they're they're a team that might not even make the playoffs next year and they probably yeah. wouldn't have made it in a normal year and you look you even look at who the avalanche lost to which is vegas they mm. lost to montreal in the next round you look at the the division winners like you take the president's trophy even out of the equation the Penguins lost in the first round. Toronto lost in the first round. Only Carolina and Colorado made it out of the first round as division winners, and they both lost in the next round. Yep. You had eight wow. games of context mm-hmm. to look at. You only had those teams playing e- only other teams in the same division. You could not get more evidence that these are the top teams in the divisions than you could from all those four, and none of them made it to the final four. There's parity in the league. It's it's better than any other sport. You never, ever know what's going to happen. I think that's kind of where Predators fans are right now. That's kind of where they're, I think they're thinking, okay, let's break up this core that hasn't, that's, that's consistently failed when it matters, when the chips are mm-hmm. on the table. 
they have failed since that Stanley Cup birth. And so now that's why fans are like, let's put new blood into this lineup. Let's let's see what happens. We'll take our lumps. We'll take our growing pains. If we miss the playoffs this season, then it's okay as long as we're building a new foundation and we're we're, we're building something. And I've said this. I said this in a previous episode very much like what the Avalanche have done. I don't know if you agree with me on that, Griffin, but I think you all have done a really good job of meticulously from the front office building this roster up, taking care of the players who who need to be on this roster, signing smart deals, smart contracts for the most part. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's a big reason for why you all are a Stanley Cup contender for the past couple seasons and definitely this coming season as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joe Sackick, when early in his tenure, took a beating as being a bad general manager. And as we saw, the Matt Duchesne trade completely changed the face of this franchise. Uh, Obviously, you guys were involved with that. And you look at the hall. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You look at the hall that we got back in return. Obviously, we got Sam Gerrard, who is incredible. That rubs. You want to talk about hitting a sore spot. You just. All my listeners that are listening to this right now, they're going to be uh, – they're, they're hurting. I hope they're not driving down the uh, interstate <laughs> right now because they're going to have to put those hazard lights on and pull over to the side of the road for a little bit after just yeah. bringing up that. We, yeah. we still have some Kyle Turris buyer's remorse and, and a little bit of Duchesne too, but especially the Kyle Turris buyer's remorse yeah. is real. Yeah. yeah, and so maybe you guys can tell the certain portion of the Avalanche fan base that does not appreciate Sam Gerrard that they should – Oh, absolutely appreciate him because he had, he had a bad series against Vegas and now it has turned into Sam Gerrard's too small. He can't be in the NHL. You know, maybe you, maybe you guys can talk some sense. I can tell you, and I, I want Colin and Rich will go into this as well, but I just want to say real quick um, at the time when we brought Matt Duchesne in here, it was probably one of the biggest off season signings the Preds had ever made. As far as blockbuster, like they went out and I think Colin, I think you've said this before. David Poyle, our general manager, went out and got his white whale. Is that what you said, yeah. uh, Colin? Yeah, he was I mean, for yeah. a long time. And so they went out and got him. And uh, we, we're not saying that the book's written on Matt Duchesne, first of all. I know that Colorado Avalanche fans have very strong opinions about Duchesne and his passion for the game and his kind of like how he disappears a lot. And we're seeing that too. But analytically speaking, Duchesne has actually been a pretty solid player for us. Now, we want to see that turn into point production, which is natural and that's understandable. And a lot of your casual hockey fans, they're not looking into analytics. They ain't got time for that. They got full-time jobs. They just want to see the production. They want to see goals. They want to see the big goals like Matt Duchesne scored to beat the Peng- or beat the uh, Hurricanes in this past playoffs in, in the uh, extra overtime. That's what casual – Predators fans want to see, but for really strong hockey followers uh, like, like ourselves who follow it closely, um, Matthew Shane's been a pretty solid player. Now, has he lived up to his contract? Absolutely not. But I keep saying, don't direct that at Matthew Shane, direct that at the front office. He's they're the ones that made the deal. Matthew Shane is still playing well, but yes, we wish it, it, it hurts to lose a player like Sam Gerrard and we, we've seen him do great things for the Avalanche. And so I don't understand why fans out there, I, you all got a good young player that I think is going to keep getting better. Right. Yeah, and, and I he's think on a, he's on a crazy good contract, $5 million until the end of time. 
It's yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, you can't, you can't beat the money for the talent. And honestly, like, I think he's kind of just, he's very much the essence of smash as far as, as of late. Cause you look at guys like we've had Victor Arvidsson, we've had Rocco Grimaldi. Um, we've had some undersized guys with a chip on their shoulder that come out and they just play strong. And that's how Sam Gerard was. So if you talk to any of the people that live up in Milwaukee, that that's our AHL team, our AHL affiliate, they love Sam Gerard. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's kind of tough because what we got, you know, Kyle Turris, not even on the team and we're still paying him out for the next three years, which is super frustrating. And then eventually it clears way and we get Matt Duchesne and Duchesne has been statistically consistent, which is appreciated because you know what you're going to get, but it's also what you're getting is not that $8 million value, but now Sam Gerard, I think is, is a solid player. I think that, you know, Colorado's has been building up something and he's one of those pieces that is what you guys are building towards. And for us, you know, I think kind of going back to what we were saying about our expectations, it's like, on Twitter, we're very much, you know, let's you know, let's see the young guys, let's give them a chance, let's see how this team kind of improves and, and, and give these some of these younger guys, you know, the opportunity to be, uh, you know, future franchise players potentially. Do you go to Facebook? It's it's Cup or it's Fire G, uh, David Poyle. Like that's there's there's no in between on Facebook. That's all it is. So uh, a lot of emotions right now in this off season because we just don't know. I mean, it's supposed to look like a youth movement, but we thought that we were going to have that last year. So who knows? Yeah. Well, also with the with the youth movement and what, you know, people on Twitter, everybody's like, we want to see the young guys. We want to see the young guys. And then when Poyle makes moves like getting rid of Victor Arvidsson or getting rid of Ryan Ellis, everybody's like, Hey, I want to see my young guys, but I don't want you to get rid of my favorite players. And like yeah, everybody just gets way. mad. So like David Poyle is in a weird position of like, obviously he can't do anything right or wrong. So it just depends on who you talk to. So we're, we're not only saddled with, you know, Matt Duchesne, like the guy said, he is statistically still a good player, but we're also hampered with uh, Ryan Johansson, who's also an $8 million contract player. And we're on like year two, this will be the third year where everybody's like, these guys got to produce this year. This is going to be their year. And so far we've been let down. So hopefully, hopefully this season will be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and what's 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 your guys' confidence level in David Poy and to an extension John Hines? Because that's at from what I've gathered from Fred's Twitter, that seems to be a pretty contentious yeah. debate. So uh, yeah. we actually got, let, let well, it started off, but we actually uh, this previous yeah we all have thoughts apparently. We all we, all three of us literally tried to start talking at the same time. We'll go around the room here because yeah. you just struck a nerve there, Griffin. <laughs> it, <laughs> Clearly. It's, it, uh, it's it was our, it was our main segment and that led off our last episode. So uh, uh, definitely uh, we welcome everyone, including ass fans to go listen to that. But um, I think it's, it's a very, for the most part, I think the majority wants John Hines gone, but they don't have a solution. They're just like, Oh yeah, this guy's horrible too. Like they, they, they say like, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of this player. We got to get rid of this GM, but they don't really offer solutions. But I will say that John Hines deserves this year to be his his measuring stick here. And we've talked about it a lot. I know Colin has been very uh, adamant about how he doesn't believe in Hines, but also give the guy a chance. Rich is the same way. Colin, go ahead, and then uh, Rich will yeah. go too. So I, I think he, he deserves a full season, uh, especially with a full offseason, because it was an abbreviated offseason last year, two-week training camp, and then they just go right into it against basically you know a tough division, but also just the, the back-to-back nature of the games or anything like that. So I think he deserves a full season to see how it goes and, and to see if he can make those improvements. I do think 
I don't necessarily think I don't necessarily fault Hines. I think it's the person that hired him. It's David Boyle. Um, I think that Hines was hired very hastily when you know you had some some great coaches pretty much become available a week later. Actually, was it a uh, the Vegas coach? I forget who it was. Um, so which one? Pete no, no, it was the Vegas uh, Golden Knights head coach who oh, became uh, available. Um, yeah. Bernard, not Bernard. Uh, I forget Gallant. who it is. Gerard Gallant. Gallant, yes, Gallant, Gallant became became available a week after we signed Hines to, you know, this, this contract and this is Hines contract year. year. So he's kind of in yeah. a prove it year. So yeah, yeah, um, year. yeah I, I think that it's going to, it's going to depend on how he does this year when he has a full season, when he can, I think his system, if you can call it that has started to take shape, but it's also not very defined. And I think that's, we've seen that in New Jersey and now we're seeing it in Nashville. Um, he likes to mess around with the lines a lot. He's kind of a tinker uh, and that can be kind of frustrating just because, you know, you want to see some consistency, but, he found something in the fourth line. I'll give him that. Um, David Poyle, I, I don't think that he's a bad GM. I think that he's done an amazing you know, work for the franchise, being here since 98 and, and doing what he's done to get the team to the success that it's the had. only team's GM, though, yeah. and I think that's the problem. Yeah, and, and it is. And, no fault of his own. I think fans are ready for a fresh new beginning, and I think a lot of fans think it starts there. If you yeah, really I mean, want to rebuild this franchise, a lot of fans feel like, it starts in the front office and then yeah, you start from there. You gotta, you gotta know when to get out. I think that's the thing is he, he's close to retirement. He's not, he's not a, a young guy by any means. His son's, you know, the, the one of the VPs or one of the assistant, not VPs, one of the assistant GMs. People are nervous that, that his son's going to be pretty much the GM and waiting. Um, and they don't want more of the same. If it's just going to, if it's just going to result in, you know, first or second round exits, because for a while we did that, we had to get over that hump just to get to the Western conference final. Um, we've only been to one and granted we won it, which is fantastic, but that's the expectation now where, you know, we we consider ourselves a hockey town. Um, and we're just not sure if management's going to be able to get us there unless we trade it, you know, we move up, uh, move around some of our management opportunities, but there's also some really good GM candidates that could be out there potentially. Um, especially when you look at the pipeline of some of the, the front office talent and some of these contenders in the last eight years, um, there, there are people out there and there's people that could really take the, take the helm and take this team to that next generation, next generation of, you know, success. But, you know, Dave Poyle is old school and he's got a lot of equity in the league. I mean, he is one of those guys that, when you talk about guys that one of the front office people that are getting, you know, the NHL out of lockouts and things like that. Like he's been in those cornerstone conversations. He worked, I don't think Poyle, he, Poyle worked through the years when the team was going to move to yeah, Hamilton I, to move to Hamilton. When and, I don't think people and, realize and how the Preds, like the fan, like the Preds home games were literally only getting like 12,000 people and they had to reach a certain quota to even keep the team. And I think it was like 14,000. And they crushed it. The city rallied around the Preds. The team slowly started getting better. But, yeah, like, he he's navigated this franchise through a lot. And I think people have short memories. People well, have very people, short memories on what this GM has taken this franchise to where they are now. Well, from the business side of it, I think people don't even realize how much pull he has in the NHL. Because, like I said, he was part of those conversations that got them through the lockouts. But he was yeah. one of those people that doesn't budge. He's got a lot of clout. A lot of people respect him. I think that, you know, if he wants to do consulting after this, he will have somewhere to go, uh, whether it's with staying with Nashville as a consultant or going to uh, D.C. But he has a lot of respect from the league, which I can appreciate. 
but also it's, it's, it's kind of like, I look at it like a, somewhere like if you're an NBA fan, Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich, fantastic coach. I personally, I, I respect the hell out of him. Do I like him? I'm a Suns fan. I can't, <laughs> but Greg Popovich, great coach, but the game has, has moved past his coaching style and his style of play. And that's kind of where David Poyle is, is he's kind of, He's he's a I wouldn't say a relic, but he's a you know he's a reminder of a past league, um, an older style of hockey versus what we're trying to build and what the game's looking like nowadays in your modern NHL. Yeah, that's kind of the view I've had on Poyle for the last little while. Great general manager, lost success, been around for a long time, but just at a certain point, maybe enough is enough, and you've 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 fired all your bullets and you've made all the moves that you can make and maybe it's just time for for someone else to get some fresh eyes on the team and just see where where they can take them because like you said he's been around since the predators have been the predators ever since the beginning and just at a certain point like the league just passes you by and with this last off season with some of the moves that they've made I, even if they're to go in a certain direction I think I think the Ryan Ellis trade for me was a was a weird one to look at. Just, I didn't, I didn't love the return for them. I don't know how you guys feel about that, Uh, but. So I will say the Ryan Ellis trade was a little bit weird. I'm actually pretty excited about Cody glass and, you know, he was kind of the back end piece of that, but I will, I will say, I think that from a a contract standpoint, Ryan Ellis's contract is good. Now down the road, it is not going to be a good contract. He's going to be playing into his upper thirties for way too much money. He's already shown signs of decline. He's struggled to stay healthy. Um, and so it, it's, it's tough because, you know, for a lot of people, they thought he could be, you know, a top 10 NHL defenseman and, and maybe he still can, but he, it's not gonna, he's not getting younger and that contract is not getting any more friendly. Flyers, hey, the, the flyers are going to have to get something out of him quick as Colin yes. is saying, like, yes. I mean, they are banking that he is going to come into this next season and Two to be, three years. be the, That's be all. the defenseman that. Yeah, a lot of people were like, this is a under-the-radar Norris Trophy winner in the coming years, and injuries really did mess up his trajectory. But he does still have the talent. He's a great professional. He's classy. He can be a leader in the locker room. The Flyers got a really good player. But as Colin said, he's aging. Uh, Cody Glass, uh, is I uh, also echo that sentiment from Colin, uh, Cody Glass is a player where the ceiling is very, very high. And we're getting him in return, and we're kind of rolling the dice on on Cody Glass that he can. I think he was the sixth overall pick in 2017. So um, yeah, the talent's clearly there, and now you're waiting to see if he can actually figure it out in a new place. Yeah, and Cody Glass, I think, is an an interesting player. I think Vegas ended up being a bit disappointed with him, but looking at this this Nashville team over the last few years, and especially getting to now how do you see the predators season next year going what is your guys's expectations do you think they can compete for a playoff spot be around that top four or do you think they're going to be closer to uh, the coyotes at the bottom that's a really good question griffin i think that they're right now realistically speaking they are not a playoff team they are very much an unproven team inexperienced team they're going to go through growing pains I would not be surprised if they stumble out of the gate and dig themselves a little bit of a hole, but I do think they're going to be an exciting team. Uh, I I don't think they're going to be just completely buried in the standings to the point where no one wants to watch them. And obviously just like at the end of the last stretch of this past season, 
UC Soros is going to have to put a wire-to-wire strong season together, which he's never done. He's still very young, so that's not a knock on him. But he's going to have to do that. For this team to be a playoff team, he's going to have to do that. And then we also got David Riddick as our backup goaltender since Pecorino retired. And he's going to have to be a really quality spot starter. And so um, that's – I kind of see it at goaltending. And then also the power play. I think the power play is going to – if it seems going to be a playoff team, if that's the question I'm answering, then the power play cannot be a bottom power play like they've been for the past couple of seasons. They cannot do it. This team is going to struggle to score goals. And so – they're going to have to take advantage on the power play and get some get. I don't want to say easy goals, but they're going to have to take advantage in that area because they're going to be running into some teams that are loaded with firepower that they don't have, and so they can't get into these games where they're only going to put up one or two goals because they're not going to make it very far. They're going to get ran out of the building a couple nights, and so that's kind of where I see them. Maybe going into the last two weeks of the season, maybe they still got to a chance, and then they probably get eliminated pretty quickly. I don't see them making the playoffs where I see them right now. What about you, Rich? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It just depends. The big factor is Saros, how quickly he can um, pick up where he left off at the end of last season. And if Hines can get these guys motivated to build on what they did in the second half of the season, that would be good. The bad part is they lost three big players. Uh, we already talked about – we mentioned Arvidsson and Ellis, but – they lost like one of my favorite players and probably one of the most versatile guys on the team in uh, Cali Yarncroft. Yep. And somebody's going to have to step up to fill that void because that guy's like the Swiss Army knife for the Predators. Like he could play, do many different things. And I don't know who's going to step up and do that. Um, out of all three of those guys losing him, that was the one that that hurt me the most. And they might surprise us. I think it, it all is, the, the, like I said, on Soros and then just building off that huge momentum that Hines got them going. He got the team rolling and um, he's going to have to do it again, except he's going to have to do it even better this time because he's going to be missing some uh, some key players. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's one of those situations where we I mean, we've. We're going to get younger and it's going to be interesting to see. I think that we're going to probably take our licks because these guys have to experience winning and losing in the NHL. Uh, that's just the reality of the game. And it's a young team. Um, you know, it's like we're, we've quickly become one of the younger teams. We've only got two guys over 30 at this, well, actually three guys over 30 at this point, which is very young, all things considered in terms of their, the rest of AHL. And so um, that, that's going to be a tough thing for us is that they're going to have to mature pretty quickly. Luckily, some young guys, for better or worse, they got a lot of experience last year. And so I think that kind of helps them out. Um, I, I still see us as a – I don't see us as a playoff team, but I see us as a fringe. I would, I would be pleasantly surprised if we got into that fourth spot or if we got into, you know, a spot where we were wild kind of, card. I think it's yeah, going back to the wild card. card. It, it is. Yeah, yeah, every, the, everything's the wild, going back to normal. Yeah. So if we get into, if we got into the wild card, I, I would be pleasantly surprised, but not completely shocked is I guess the best way to put it. Um, but if we miss the playoffs, I won't be surprised at all. It's just, it's, it's a young team's nature of it. I don't think we'll be nearly as bad as the coyotes. I have no idea what they're doing. I'm from Arizona. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, they were, knows about the coyotes they're they're my second team if i have one and and it's always a rebuild every other year so i feel like i, I mean I, at this point i'm I'm shocked they're still in glendale arizona to be honest um but 
I will say they fill their, their stadium their arena quicker than the Ducks do, but no. um, <laughs> and I'm throwing a little shade Burn. there, but I, I don't think we're going to be that bad. I think we're going to be better than the Blackhawks. I think the Blackhawks have been buyers in a lot of weird situations. I hope that, you know, Flower has a good year. Uh, that's an interesting acquisition for them. Um, and I think that if they do succeed, it'll probably be on his back, but I don't know how much he has left in the tank because he's just, you know, we, right. we saw how quick that, that drop-off was for Pecorino. Pecorino was a Vesna trophy winner until he, like, he wasn't, and he was solid for us last year in spot duty, but he is not a, an every night kind of starter. I wonder when Flower gets to that point as well. Yeah. Um, and they still have Malcolm Subban, I believe, and, and he's not a bad, you know, spot. And Lankinen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they've got some. They've got some options, but I, I don't. I, I just think that I think we can steal some from the Blackhawks. I think we can can get ahead of them. Um, Dallas Stars, I'm a little bit afraid of. I mean, like we can go down the whole division, but I do think we're better than at least a couple teams in the Central, and we can we can show up and and still yeah, be they're competitive. Not a, they're not, yeah, they're not a dead last team. No, we'll, not, we'll not, go that uh, far. That we'll is that, that far. is Arizona's spot. Yeah, that, that that's about where our confidence <laughs> ends. Is that we're not oh. dead last. <laughs> oh, but those draft picks, man, they're going to be. So just... can we, uh, so Griffin? <laughs> get, we're going to ask you the same question. I know your expectations are worlds apart, higher than ours. <laughs> but um, where are you at, realistically speaking? Um, wh- where are you at with this team? Are you? Is it? Is it? I'm, I expect it to be Stanley Cup or bust again this season for you. But where wh- where do you see it? It's Stanley Cup or bust again. When you have a team this good, when you have McKinnon on the contract that he's at every single year of that deal, which is two more years, including this next season, is Stanley Cup or bust. You have to win while he's still on that six point three million dollar deal. And when it comes to my realistic expectations, I fully expect we will win the Central Division. I think we are the best team in this division. I don't think it's certainly that close. The West, it's Colorado and Vegas again, just like mm-hmm. it was in the West Division last year. Honestly, I'm not all that impressed by a ton of teams in the West. How do you feel about Seattle, though? I got to ask Seattle, you. Seattle, I... <laughs> The Pacific Division is really bad. I think they have a chance to crack yeah, that top they three. Do. They and do. I look at their roster; it's 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 sneaky, it, likable, it, it right? Getting like, a little better. They so, hey, add yeah. names every once in a while. Griffin, Griffin, uh, we shared on our we're doing a podcast meetup this season. Uh, we want to like uh, we're inviting a lot of our listeners. We would love to meet a lot of our listeners. We kind of had a little idea with it. We did a poll on our on our Twitter feed, and I picked the Avalanche home game for Thursday, December 16th as one of the options. And it didn't get a lot of votes, I'll be honest, but still I wanted to get kind of a gate. I kind of wanted to gauge where some of the people thought. And I picked that game and the, and you know, you only get four options on a Twitter poll. And so I picked that game because I, this was way before you even invited us to do a segment with you. But I remember seeing that home game and thinking, it's going to be really fun to play the Avs again, to see McKinnon, mm-hmm. to see Rantanen, to see Lannis to see this roster that is just loaded with star power. And so um, I picked that game for that reason. And so, yeah, the Preds and the and the uh, Avalanche, I almost said Blackhawks, the Preds and the Avalanche play on December 16th. That's their first meeting for this upcoming season. Actually, that's uh, their second meeting of the season. We actually – Is it second? That's, our, that's the first in Nashville. Oh, but the, okay. uh, the oh, first sorry, meeting is – uh, November 27th in Colorado. Oh, okay. and then the second one first in Nashville, December 16th. That's okay. actually for us. The second half of a back-to-back we'll play Dallas on the 26th and then okay. Nashville on the 27th. Then in the middle of December, we'll hit the road for Nashville in the middle of a, like of a 
four or five home stretch. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking, I would like I'm looking to be, forward. I'd like to be at one of those home games against the Avs because I mean, the Avs are like just just a really fun team to watch, loaded with star power. So I mean, that's why I picked one of those options is was against the Avs for our podcast meetup. So we're we're still planning on that. Um, and we'll see, like, I think I'm thinking like we picked the Seattle crack in the home opener is one of them, but I don't think we're going to be able to get everything set up in time for that. So the abs, who knows, we might make our podcast meet up that abs game. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly not much of a better, I mean, that'll be the first time the avalanche are back in Nashville since the, yeah. the that three, two matchup. That was the last time the, those two ended up playing. Mm-hmm. If my memory serves me right on that but yeah i mean i'm ex- i'm excited to just see the the predators i'm excited again. to see new yeah. teams and rich you yeah. said this too right man you yeah, said in the previous man. episodes that you are happy to have the old central division back absolutely, absolutely. so when, when they when they announced that they were going to do you know the the way they did it last season i was like oh this will be neat you know you get to see these guys after a while it was like this it was baseball horrible. style well, it was baseball oh style i was like yeah these little two game series baseball yeah. style it was it was fun for a season but I am ready to get back to the normal, actually, know, like seeing I, Eastern Conference I, teams again. I got tired of it about three fourths of the way through. I was just like, "This is just." Well, I got I got tired of it when I, we went through that stretch where every freaking game was either against the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Florida Panthers. Oh yeah, like I was like, "Okay, I'm over this." Like, yeah, like can we please get some Columbus Blue Jackets games on our schedule? Yeah, I, I feel the exact awesome. same way. Yeah. Especially with the Avalanche, it was bad for us last year with that schedule because we we only had Minnesota and St. Louis as like central teams with us. All right. And when it, coming into the season, we had I think I'd say like a third of our schedule was between interesting teams: St. Louis, Minnesota, Vegas. Those were the fun games. Then you had L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, and Arizona. That was that was more than half of the schedule. And yeah. like you were saying, Rich, about three fourths of the way into the season, I was over it. Mm-hmm. There, it got to a certain point. Where I was like, okay, we have two games against Vegas left and that's it. We've got, yeah. we had like six games against the sharks to end the season. Like there was, there was a point where I was struggling to literally stay awake during the games. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. never want to see an, a, the avalanche play the coyotes ever again. I don't, yeah ever want to see them play again i'm so tired of the coyotes yeah. well they're and, part of the central now so i know yeah. and i hate it but at least it's four times and not eight yeah. and i yeah. i was just I was gonna say it was either so them or vegas i was starting to feel the same way about the red wings honestly because the red wings is as bad as they were they gave us fits this past yeah. season and so yeah. I, I was feel i was kind of feeling the same way about the red wings i'm like i don't want to see the red wings anymore because you know like we should beat them but but they're gonna still give us hell like, I so, think, yeah, it was. We, we only actually lost them once, right? So, I think it was, we call it the, the gentleman's Did we only lose them once? I thought we might have lost twice. Wrong. I don't it know. Might have been either twice. way, I remember them not get. I remember us not having – struggling with them. No, possibly. it was close – it was close to a general gentleman's sweep is what we like to call it. But, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's either, it was either Arizona or Vegas. So we're going to get in the central. So we're getting Arizona, I guess, which geographically the NHL is already weird yeah, enough. It's already, yeah. Like, I mean, right? just the fact I that national is even in the East is yeah. in the West is weird. So, yeah, it's yeah. all very weird. I mean, it, they were actually yeah, talking about that. There were a lot of people saying like, okay, this Carolina Preds rivalry can really grow into something geographically speaking, Let's get the Preds in the East. And that was just a lot of chatter on social media. But if there was a way to realign it, 
I don't know how you yeah. would do that. I, I've never really done research on it, but I mean, if there was a way to make it make sense, Nashville should probably be in the East, but it's yeah, okay. I mean, I guess I've never really thought about that way, but just run it over in my head. Like if you move, if they move to the Atlantic, like the Florida teams are close by mm-hmm. uh, Carolina's right there as well. We, I mean, we are it, the easternmost Western Conference team. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the best way to put it. But, and that would make, I mean, I mean, someone would have to move from yeah. the Atlantic. Maybe, I mean, Detroit was in the West for a long time, but either way, well, we kind of, either we way, like you're going to have an Eastern, Eastern based team have to move to the West. So there's really yeah. no way to probably fix it. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe, ex- maybe within like 20 years with expansion or anything, if the NHL yeah, adds that's two more teams and they replace another team in the central, I think, I think that would be the road back for Nashville to the East, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it's or, okay. Or I like move. being in the West though. Cause there, we still have all these natural rivalries that we've built over the years in the West. I mean, I still consider, I still consider uh, San Jose to be a, a minor rival for us just because I've been, I've been with this team since 98 and the, the Sharks were the one team that we could not – you want to talk about the hump we couldn't get over, it was the San Jose Sharks. Like, uh, they were our first-round kryptonite. They were the team we could never get past. And so, I still consider the Sharks a uh, – uh, uh, they're not as big of a rival now, but they were. for And for a lot well, of my uh, fellow Preds fans who've been following the team for a long time, they know what I'm talking about. The Sharks well, it's were a team like the, that we just like have Ravens. a bitter hatred for. Well, it's kind of like the Red Wings and the, and the the Blackhawks too. I mean, the Red Wings we had so many Detroit transplants because Nashville. Yep. We had the Saturn plant, so Detroit moved a lot of its employees down to Nashville, and then the, two years later, the Predators came on board. So you had a lot yep. of people either convert to be Preds fans, or there's still a lot of Red Wings fans in the area. Um, actually, one of the people on the for uh, on the forecheck, one of our main. Uh, websites for the national predators i remember going to high school with one of the guys who was a red wings fan because he was a detroit and then became a predators fan afterwards but um you know the blackhawks have not been as nearly as you know as prominent as as of late or as of you know 2013 14 that those kind of years and so um that rivalry has kind of died down a little bit you know the red wings that rivalry's died down so uh i will say you mentioned a team that i think we're better than and i think it's also one of our rivals too is st louis that's one team I think we can do better than this upcoming year. I, I think that even with where the moves we've made versus the moves they've made, I like our team better. Um, Minnesota's going to be interesting because it's like, are they going to get Kapro Kapsov back or is like, is he going to Russia? We don't know. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's going to yeah, be, it's going to be a weird, weird we could, year. We could spend another hour talking about that. Oh, <laughs> oh man. man. I've, yeah. I've, drama with that. Yeah. I've touched <laughs> on that on my show a little bit like that. Like that is one of the more interesting things I've seen in a while. You always hear like the rush, this Russian player, oh, he's threatening to go back to the KHL. I mean, it's but very it, gradual. You have to wonder <laughs> yeah. if we've been there. Oh yeah. You have he, to wonder I, if he's bluffing. We, we've but, been I mean, there. We've been there. This is, and it's so funny because Minnesota, we always say is like Preds North. And so it's so funny that they're getting their own Radulov situation basically because well, Kevin Fiala, we they're talking about, they're talking about paying Kevin Fiala now. Like, I mean, they've got a lot of front office issues right now when it comes to, yeah. like, they're, they're dealing with a lot of drama right now, but they're one of those teams that's right there on the cusp of being a force to be reckoned with, but they've got to figure out what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like you're saying, they're right there. If they get they lost Ryan Suter, back, a former Pred, they lost Ryan Suter to the Dallas stars, which I mean, wow. they, they did that voluntarily. They, they yeah. just, they bought that contract out yeah. and apparently are willing to eat the cap. And Zach for, Parisi. Yeah. And Zach Parisi. So, I mean, so with like, Minnesota, very busy. They've had yeah. plenty of drama this off season. The yeah. I mean, I talked about this with the, the, the wild guys over at uh, the soda pod. Yes. That, 
they've gone from a team that I could literally care less about to probably the most interesting team yes, this offseason. Yeah, I talked really to them are. a couple months ago. And, you know, like we were saying, they're they're right there with it. If they get Kaprizov back and they get Fiala back, I could see them being the second best team in this division. But the thing is, is that they've got to win like now because next year they've got $14 million in dead cap that's going to be interfering with their roster with Parisi and Suter buyouts. So I'm interested to see what they do this season and coming into this season. And if, if Kaprizov does really leave, I mean, he's already signed a deal with Siska Moscow for a year at over $10 million as a, a I mean, that situation's so crazy. He's turned down. I believe I saw from Michael Russo long-term like eight to $9 million extensions. Like he's, he's got some cojones to be turning those down yeah. as he's betting on himself big time. Well, I respect yeah. that. I mean, I respect it. Nashville had it wasn't obviously to the extent of that that much money, but Yakov Trenin pulled the same thing for for Nashville. He was going to go play for yeah, I'm glad you Moscow brought that as well. Yeah, that was. like it was it was they were making it sound like it was a done deal, and then like the next the KHL day, has definitely become a player in uh in, in I think more so now mm-hmm. than ever. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I, I I think you have to 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 respect. I think general managers have to respect the KHL, because it's a very good league. It's a very different league, but a very well-respected league. And, I mean, you can't just say, like, these players aren't willing to go over there. And so, for front office general managers, you have to take that into account now when you're making these tough negotiations. And so, uh, it makes for more more entertainment for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Kaprizov, if he does – pull this off and get that short-term deal and the betting on himself works. I think that's a, a fun precedent to set for the rest of the league and other yes. younger players. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that's something well that obviously teams won't like, but us as fans, mm-hmm. especially just the general NHL fans, that'll make for some very interesting negotiations down the line for players to bet on themselves, maybe carry themselves to, to the UFA market. I mean, we saw it with Austin Matthews, his deal is carrying him straight to, unrestricted free agency and Kale McCarr's deal is as great as it is, is only buying one UFA year. So maybe this will start to be a thing down the line where we start to see more higher end players hitting the, the open market down the line, which is, will make for for some excellent viewing. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. All right. So uh, what else we got Griffin? I think that's a catch up. I think that pretty much just about covers it for us. I mean, we'll see each other for the first time in late November. How do you yeah. guys feel that the Predators match up with the Avalanche? Do, oh, you, God. Think that, do you think you guys <laughs> can give us trouble uh, if Charles plays well? Goaltending's our only chance. Can UC Saros stand on his head and give us a 40 to 45 save uh, performance? Then maybe we can steal a game from you. If we get that, uh, what is it, Forsberg, Johansson, uh, Duchesne top line, who knows? But yeah, but you can't go off one top yeah, line against that. I know. The ass. I know. But uh, yeah, ask, me, it's, it's, ask me at the end of October. I'll yeah, on, on on paper, we would be the biggest homers in the world if we yeah. said that we were going to realistically beat you all in any other fashion other than UC Soros, who is capable of doing this, um, stealing a game or two, which he can do. But that that's really the only way I see it. Looking on paper. Uh, looking at these two teams side by side. I do think that the Preds are going to be a very 
uh, fiery team that's going to pull some upsets off. I'm not trying to take anything away from our young players like Tanner Janot, like uh, like Matthew Olivier. I'm not ta- I'm not taking anything away. Alex Carrier is our new rising defenseman who is getting uh, top line minutes with Roman Yossi. So uh, for all your as listeners, if you haven't looked up Alex Carrier, go look him up. He's he he is. I am fully confident that he is the next really good Preds defenseman, homegrown Preds defenseman, which we've been really good at doing. So uh, we're gonna steal some games. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shock some people. We're gonna be right there in the middle. Uh, again, like I said, I don't think they're a playoff team right now, but the only way we're real realistically going to go toe to toe with the Avs and actually beat them more than maybe once is UC Soros is going to have to be, um, just a, a thief in the night and mm-hmm. steal games from you all. That's really the only way I see it realistically. Yeah. It's Even definitely going to be, <laughs> uh, interesting to follow with the predators. I mean, I look at the central. I think I agree that I don't have them in the playoffs, but I don't look at them like a bad team. I still yeah. think they're it, going into a game against the Predators. I'm not going to look at that and be like, oh, two points, easy. It's still mm-hmm. going to be a game that you're going to have to take seriously. There are still players there that deserve a lot of respect, like Roman Yossi. UC Soros is definitely going to be the biggest wild card when it comes to playing the Predators every single season. I mean, when we look at the Avalanche last year and even when they were at the the height of their power in the, the middle of the season. They still got goalied from time to time. Right before they went on their ridiculous 18-game point streak, they got the the goalieing of a lifetime at the hands of their now goalie, Darcy Kemper, mm-hmm. who put forth a crazy effort. The Coyotes mustered 12 shots and won the game 3-2. to two. Kemper yeah. got hurt in that game, and Auntie oh, yeah. Ronta I'm kind of, did I'm the kind same of worried. thing the rest of the way. I'm kind of worried that the Preds are going to have to win games like that, ugly games where maybe they don't have a lot of shot total, like, but maybe the other team outshot them vastly, but UC Soros somehow. And that's why we're so, that's why I am so upset about why this uh, arbitration keeps lingering with Soros. Cause I think that the front office is playing, playing a little too hard here when it comes to, they know what they have. They know that they're going to win games. Unless, unless, unless the Preds front office has just completely sold the farm and, come to the realization this team's not going to be a good team, they're going to be a lottery team, then I think you need to understand, I think we all see the writing on the wall, that if the Preds, to your question earlier, is if they're going to make the playoffs, then UC Soros is going to be a main reason why, just like last season. So pay the man, get him his money. He, we know he's got the skill set to steal games for you that you don't have a business winning. And so I – this team's going to have to win games that way, just like the, the game you just mentioned against the Coyotes where the team only has 14 shots on goal, but they still win the game somehow. I, that's how I think the Preds are going to have to make their hay, Yep. unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be – Let's go Preds hockey. No, let's go Preds. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing like getting pumped up for the season. Like, yeah, you know, we're still the, pumped up. Maybe though. the we're goalies will up. steal a game or two. I mean – when you get to this point of the offseason, I was talking about this last episode. Like, I'm I'm just rewatching like the the 2019 playoff runs and everything. Like, just it's gotten to that point where it's like, yeah, you know what? I was sick of the regular season last year, but mm-hmm. still would take it over. I would I would watch the Preds every game. I'm not making this up if they went 0 and 82 because I, I love hockey that much. Now, obviously, I hope that doesn't happen, but like, I mean. There's a lot of casual fans out here, and we are a hockey market, and we have 
outstanding fans and the diehard Nashville Predators fans. I'll put them up against any hockey fan base out there, but they're just like in any fan base. There are a lot of casual fans who um, are still kind of on the fence on whether they even want to be a hockey fan. And, and so they, they, I don't know if they have the patience that it takes to watch a hockey rebuild. And so that's kind of what I am folk. That's kind of what I'm watching. And I put, I've put, I've put, I put this out there. I'm putting them on notice. Hey, are you a real Preds fan? We're going to have to watch the, you're going to have to watch the process. Like you're going to have to watch this, maybe go through a little bit of a one or two year time period where you're going to have to watch this team be meticulously rebuilt again. It's not going to always be pretty. You're going to see some young kids make a lot of mistakes, but the end result is what you got to hope for. And so, um, that's kind of the kind of season we're about to go into. I feel like. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. and at the same time, you got to factor in, like, you know, hopefully we're going to have more fans back in the stands. Um, I know I've got a quarter season ticket package. So I'll be in some of the games and like Bridgestone is still one of the hardest arenas to play in. I mean, it people is. it's known around the league. And, and so that fan energy needs to be there um, from the, for the Preds general management, like you got, they got to lower ticket prices because until, yeah we get back to a cup, they can't keep charging what they're charging for nope. the tickets. But, right you know, already. it's one of those things where that, that's a hard arena to play in. And it's a hungry fan base. I mean, people that show up night, night in, night out, even the this, casual fans that do show up, they're hungry. So, yeah, Colin's from Nashville. I'm from Nashville. And I can tell you that this market is so hungry for a uh, professional championship uh, because, I mean, everyone's Tennessee Vols fans, but that's Knoxville and that's college sports. When we Man. talk professional sports – um, the, the, this, this market as big as it's growing to be and as great of a sports market as Nashville is overall, it really is a great sports market. This city has never had a professional championship parade in any sport. So yeah, that, I think that has a lot to do with how sometimes Preds fans come off a little bit unbearable. <laughs> I might say, I'm sure as fans, can go ahead and attest to that if they've ever been to a game at Bridgestone. But a lot of that has to come with that, that just hunger to finally break through and get a championship parade. And I know that uh, for the longest time, everyone said the Preds are way closer to winning a professional championship than the Titans are. I feel like that's flipped over the last couple of seasons, but, um, but yeah, so uh, that's, that's where a lot of this passion comes from the fans amazing fans out here they are so passionate especially the ones that have been following this team since 1998 which there are tons of them and so for those fans I think they have the long game in mind right now I think they realize what this team's doing but for the casual fans that maybe don't understand the process they're pretty frustrated right now and I don't know what their interest level is in this team but we'll see so that's kind of that's kind of like the state of the fan base yeah that's fair yeah, and, and, and sometimes that's just the process that you got to go through. You take your runs at the cup. Nashville went to the final. They won a president's trophy and just – Now they got to take some, their lumps. <laughs> yeah, so, and now you got to take your lumps. You took your runs at the cup, and now you've got to – in a salary cap world, a salary cap sport, it's just what happens eventually. Time comes for us all. And one, when one day, hopefully not anytime soon, it's going to be the avalanche as well. It's going to happen to literally every team in the league. Mm-hmm. So – but, but still for this season with the Preds, when it just from an avalanche perspective, we're playing them four times. I think you got to take all four of those games seriously. I don't think there's going to be any easy two points in any That's of them. That's very kind of you. I mean, yes. well, 
there's still Forsberg, Yossi, Soros, and maybe who knows, maybe Forsberg can be an Av by the end of the year if things go too wrong in Nashville. Sure, I'll take no, that. No, 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 but no, no. I'll start that. I mean, we've we've had our successes with Forsbergs in the past. We'd take good care of them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. <laughs> I will say it's not just because you have been a very hospitable host and brought brought us on your podcast, but um, I will say that I have zero ill will towards the Avalanche. They are not a team that even comes oh, yeah. close to my radar of teams I despise. And so, um, yeah, it's all it's all good it, until we actually play each other. I have no ill will towards the Avalanche. Uh, it'd be cool yep. to see you all hoist a cup, honestly. Um, I'm sick of the Lightning. I know Rich is. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I'm say- I-, I respect <clears throat> the Lightning and how great of a roster they have, but I'm sick of them. Uh, I don't want to see Vegas win it. I can tell you that right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Chicago can just, like, yeah, they can burn in hell. Oh! Uh, the team. <laughs> the team. <laughs> I know, okay. not not so. the city. You know what I'm saying here. But, but in all reality, in all reality, in all reality, yeah, those are kind of my teams that I can't just take. The Avalanche, you're not even on my radar. No, it's like all that, it's man. all love until we yeah. play you all. There's really no ill will towards the Avalanche at all. Yeah, for me anyway. I'd, I'd, I feel the same about the Predators. Honestly, I'd say I'd say I generally like the Predators. I I'd honestly probably have them. No, now you got me blushing over well, here. Well, I mean, like I, look, <laughs> I I look at teams that I like honestly. I've never had anything negative to say about Nashville. That 2017 run of the cup is probably one of my favorites that like. Well, you're one, one of very few had. because yeah. most of most, most opposing fan bases hate us. I know mm-hmm. we didn't make any new friends in the Carolina hurricanes fan base. No. This past no. Season. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, even they haven't just played the predators in the playoffs, but even then I couldn't be like, Oh man, I, I hate these guys. It yeah, was like, it's different. I, I like it was a clean series. like that. I think fans so, so give like us, that are good for the quick, game, man. Like, give us your get, overall for Avs fans because this has kind of always been a fun topic for me. Whenever I'm talking to other fan bases, um, I my roommate, my best friend, he's been on our podcast. Actually, he's a very smart hockey guy. He knows his stuff. Uh, he's a diehard Dallas Stars fan, and I can t- I don't know if you've ever met a, a Dallas native, but they're almost always primarily Dallas Cowboys fans. He is actually a diehard Stars fan over the Cowboys. And that doesn't happen very often from Dallas. He knows his hockey, and his number one hated team is the Colorado Avalanche. And so is that, a, is that a normal rivalry between the Stars and Avalanche? I'd say for Avs fans, their number one rival is Minnesota. Okay. But right. when it comes to Dallas, I'd say after 2020, they'd definitely be in the, the number two spot. If we okay. played them last year, if they ended up being in the, the West like they were supposed to be, They'd probably be number one right now. He seems now, to reference the late 90s is why he can't stand the abs or the well, 90s. I well, I, I guess there were some, then, so I can't really attest there to that. He, he seems to reference that there were some battles between – I guess you'd have to go to hockey reference. We can look it up. But, he, yeah, for some reason, he doesn't really like the, uh, the abs at all as a Stars fan. He also hates the Predators. So, uh, that's why we brought him on our podcast. It was pretty fun conversation with him. Well, but, uh, some people just have poor taste, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, well gentlemen, we appreciate you letting us join your, uh, join your yes, podcast. Thank you. Yeah, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you guys on. Thank you all so much for, for taking the time to come on. If you want to take uh, the next few minutes or so to just plug your show, plug your socials, feel free to go right ahead. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we're uh, at Catfish Ice on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, we also all write for Predlines.com for the fan-sided network, so you can check out our work there. And we are a fellow podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, uh, it's myself, Chad Minton, at Chad underscore Minton. 
and co-host, and that's Rich Howe, at Rich underscore Howe underscore nine, and at Colin Bluent. So, yeah, we are an awesome team. We love talking Preds hockey, and we're still kind of getting into the Nashville community. And, um, yeah, so we appreciate you. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's been it's been a real blast having you guys on, and hopefully we'll we can talk again soon. Hopefully even before the December date. And best luck to you guys this season. You too. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. And that was my conversation with the guys at the Catfish on Ice podcast. Again, great to have an excuse to get them on the show for the first time. They run a great show on the Hockey Podcast Network covering everything to do with the Nashville Predators. Pretty much came into existence uh, around the same time as this show. I was telling Chad right before we started recording, I used them kind of as a a benchmark for what I should be doing for my first episode when I first started. So they run a great show over there. If you're ever curious about anything that's going on with the Predators and what's going to be happening with them next season, I highly recommend checking them out. But in terms of things avalanche, we are literally entirely empty. There is absolutely nothing going on right now. And in the NHL world as a whole, there is a fat nothing going on right now. No no big signings, no trades, no even real news or things of that nature. It is the dead of August. It is the deadest it will ever, ever be during hockey season. It is the worst time of year to be a hockey fan, but this is only part one of what's going to be going through pretty much every single central team, doing my best to get the hosts of all the other central team shows on the show to talk about their perspectives for the upcoming season and what we as Avs fans can expect from our competition once October 13th rolls around. And I mean... In terms of how off-seasons go, this off-season is going pretty quick. We are less than two months away from playing the Chicago Blackhawks on opening night. I mean, we get to dead points in the off-season, and we're, we're talking about it's over, it's over two months, and we've still got a long ways away, but we're already under two months away. Training camps are, I don't know the exact date, but they're they are opening sooner than we think. And even look around the sports world. You got preseason football happening right now. The NFL regular season is going to be opening up, I believe, in four weeks, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, sucks right now. Baseball is really the, the only thing on. I mean, you know you know it's getting bad when I'm, I'm putting on soccer, you know? That's, that's when you know it's really getting to the dead of the offseason, when I'm that desperate for some kind of sport and some kind of competition that I'll put on the, the Premier League. And five minutes in, I'm reminded why I don't watch soccer when you got the guys rolling on the ground acting like they've been shot. But, you know, I'm not here to trash soccer. It's When it's fun, it's fun. But, you know, it can get a little old sometimes. But anyway... We're less than two months away from the season starting. Maybe we'll get some news sometime down the line. My hopes for any avalanche signings or avalanche news get a little lower every day. Like I said before, maybe there'll be some PTOs or maybe a signing or two closer to training camp. But as of right now, I think we are kind of dead in the water here when it comes to news. So we'll just have to deal with that for the next little while. Because once we get rolling this season, it is going to be nonstop action. So... 
Might be boring right now, but take that time to take a deep breath. That is something I have to remind myself a bit of as well. I get a, I get a little too wrapped up in hockey, listening to podcasts and reading articles. I have to sometimes remind myself that there's a world outside of that that exists, and it's good to take a deep breath every once in a while. I recommend doing the same, but for today, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to the wonderful hosts at the Catfish on Ice podcast for jumping on the show with me and giving me their takes on what's going on in Nashville. And thank you once again so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. Have a wonderful week.